Hello, live from New York City, it's the Dream Shakers podcast. I'm your host, Stefan Odom, here with my co-host, George Nunez, and we're back for the 26th episode of the pod. Today, we have Evan Lepart, a Miami-based entrepreneur who is currently the founder slash CEO of Kitty Credit, the co-founder of the Black Men Talk Tech Summit, an advisory board member of Miami EdTech, and finally, a Cohort 6 alum from Founders Gym. Evan has had a broad set of entrepreneurial experiences and is now fully focused on ensuring that the next generation of youth have the tools and resources to build a thorough understanding of credit so that they can effectively leverage credit as adults. Now, without further ado, welcome to the show, Evan. How's it going, guys? How are you, Evan? How's everything? How are you feeling right now? I'm good, man. You know, it's a Saturday. It's a weekend. It's a little light for me today. Uh, yeah, long week. I'm a little tired, but I'm good. Happy to be here. We're happy to have you on. We understand that you are a man of a mission or a man on a mission. So let's get straight into it. Yes, sir. And let's talk about your background, your upbringing. We have a full understanding that you were uh, born in Pittsburgh, moved around a Baltimore and then ended up in Miami. Talk about that transition. Talk about what it was growing up. Just lay it all on us. We, we would love to learn more. Yeah. So I, I grew up, uh, yeah, I grew I, I definitely was, I spent the majority of my child forming years in Maryland. Um, but I was born in Pittsburgh, forever a Steelers fan. Um, I'll never change. I can tell you about first, second, and third string. Steelers players. Um, spend a year in Gary. It's where my mom's side of the family's from, Gary, Indiana. Uh, fun fact, my mom, so my grandma and granddad, their names are Joe and Catherine. Uh, Michael Jackson's parents' names are Joe and Catherine, both born in, in Gary, Indiana. Um, so it's, I don't know, it's just a fun fact. <laughs> So, so you so, so you were so you were destined to be great is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, there it is. There it is. I'm trying to find a correlation between like how I like there's like some Michael Michael Jackson thing there, but won't go down that rabbit hole. Um, and then I grew up in Maryland, right outside of Baltimore, a city called Columbia. And then um, I moved to Miami in 2004, and I came here. Uh, I originally attended FIU, um, didn't finish, but my major was entrepreneurship. So I guess I. Did what I set out to do when I was younger. Um, yeah. Fair is fair. So you head out to Miami. Um, you have this interest in entrepreneurship. That's mm-hmm. completely fair. What gets you then interested in ad tech and this this broader world that you're now residing in? It was, you know, it, it really was centered around me always wanting to do kitty credit, right? Like it wasn't... Uh, yeah, my, my journey in tech was not kind of, it wasn't linear, right? Like my, my whole reason for even creating it in the first place was I'm a big believer in entrepreneurship and it having it being one of the major catalysts to addressing the wealth gap that we have in our country. Um, so it was like, you know, but with that, we need to really teach about credit beforehand. So that way we can have entrepreneurs on all income levels be able to have access to the capital that they need to be able to start their business. That could be a business loan or line of credit. Friends or friends or family rounds are not always a thing. Um, 
So just understanding that I was like, you know, we, we need to teach about credit from a younger age. But I, I had Kitty Credit in my head for about 10 years, owned the domain name for a long time, wasted a lot of money just owning it because I was like, one day I'm going to do this app. Um, and then I went down this, this journey about four years ago. But um, entrepreneurship, I had many businesses here in Miami, a lot more mom and pop type of things, auto transport, cleaning business, um, at a lead generation business at one time, t-shirt company, uh, custom dress shirts. So forever the entrepreneur. So I, I guess the, through the lens of entrepreneurship that led me towards Kitty Credit. Um, but yeah, like my me being knee deep in the tech space like I am now, that, that journey started like four years ago. <clears throat> Prior to the call, we did mention, Steph and I, that we constantly do our due diligence and on a recent article, we noticed that you said that you wanted to pave the way for others because you endured financial struggles in getting loans or uh, help building your credit, right? Um, and so you didn't want this current generation and either future generations to go through the same mistakes you did. Um, so could you talk about what were those, those financial burdens? How did you overcome it? And um, what is Kitty Credit exactly? How does it generate revenue so that the viewers and the audience understand and they get a better perspective on it? I, I, I think you, you know, I, I see you slick, but, but I, I get it. I see the panda in the background. I see the logo of the Kitty Credit. We see it, but can you, can you talk more about it? I'll, I'll give him the mic in a minute. Um, so first, first part of that was, well, so the kitty credit, but then prior to that, because um, I, I can get into that, essentially like what, what inspires me to, I'm, I'm sorry, just to bring back that part of the question. Yeah, like kind of like what inspired you to uh, focus on this mission of credit or teaching credit? Because you talked about like, you talked numerous times through different media um, on how you struggle with your financial burdens yourself in terms of getting loans and and building your credit, like at one point you had poor credit. So could you talk into that? Could you talk, could you talk more about that? Yeah, like how, how I got got through that. So I mean, it was it was honestly all trial and error. You know, like I was, you know, I I understand credit because I saw what moved the score up and what moved it down. Right? It was I didn't read a book, um, and just in learning that, I learned so much that I, you know I help my friends out informally, right? Like they're just like Evan, like I have friends that are millionaires. And then, you know, they'll hit me up and be like, man, my score just plummeted. Like what's going on? Like, you know, clearly they can pay every bill that comes their way. But then, you know, they're like, I'm like, well, what did you do? And they're like, I didn't do anything, man. All I did was close the card from college. I'm like, there it is. You just destroyed the average age of your accounts, you know? So it's the little intricacies of, of credit that we don't understand. Um, and, you know, I, what I always try to make sure that we're doing is focusing on, it, it, we're, we're trying to uplift the importance of the conversation of credit, right? Like it's my whole why for Kitty Credit. What, what happens is, I mean, there's a lot of things, great products out right now that are they're doing things to teach you about how to save, how to invest, to give you a debit card, et cetera, et cetera. Um, laundry list companies all doing well um but what we're trying to say is credit needs to be its own conversation 
right? Like it gets lumped into this one like financial literacy, like first off, what is that? But then we we need to really just say like credit is its own conversation within that topic. Like we don't just say school, right? Like you have different subjects within school that have their own curriculum and they're like their own dedicated time frame to learn about. So we just try to be focused on teaching about credit and, and doing it for, for kids and, and you know, in doing that, it becomes a secondary teaching tool for, for adults. How do we make money, right? So when we really look about the look at the audience that we built this for, it's not necessarily the audience that needs to pay monthly for anything else, right? So we wanted to have a, a monetization strategy that allowed, sure, the parent that can afford something to be able to come in and pay for premium features once we have those rolled out, which will be shortly. But more than anything, our business model is B2B to C. And, you know, the, the, the main reason for that is it gives us a way to be able to provide the best version of the app possible to an audience that shouldn't pay for anything else. Um, you know, from business structure, it's lower user acquisition costs. It's also a secondary organizational push towards engagement. You know, any app, we all have those engagement challenges that we try to work through. Um, and uh, what the organization is able to do, kind of why would they pay? Uh, first off, it's a low barrier to entry. You know, pricing starts at $50 per year per family unit as of now. Um, but they have, it gives them the ability to add a activity task tour to the family tour board, right? So something that could drive engagement back to the particular organization itself. So like we have YMCA's clients, uh, Equifax Foundation, we're working with partners with Equifax. Um, so yeah, so that's that's essentially how it works. This this path, this journey with Kitty Credit uh, was very self-driven. You realized that there was a hole in the market that just needed to be filled, right? So what were those early days of Kitty Credit like? And how did you initially get the concept off the ground? Did you code it yourself? Did you lean on close friends or contractors? You know, what, what did the day-to-day look like? Yeah, so it, it started, it, again, like I knew exactly what it would look like for a long time in my head, but it was in my head, you know? And uh, when uh, to one day, a buddy of mine, um, Matt Cohen, who's on our team now too, um, he had built an app before, it's called Roll Random, super cool app. It was like a, a social network for ravers and um, it had like over a hundred thousand users. Um, he's a non-technical founder. So we really related on that and we just, over pizza and beers over a couple of days, we just ended up like really mapping out the wireframes. I think we use proto.io to do it. Um, and I always recommend that people take this path that you focus on like before you just say, hey, go to the app developer and say like, hey, I want to build the app. Like that's the worst thing you could do because it's it's you're you're gonna spend an incredible amount of money for things that you could have just done yourself, right? Let, let's say your developer is a hundred, let's say it's, even if it's like $50 an hour or less, the, the time that you don't have anything flushed out is time that you're paying them to think. You shouldn't pay, like pay people for what they're there for um, is advice that I always give, right? Like you don't want to pay your, your designer to come up with the brand strategy, right? Like they should, you should have simply say like, this is what this is. Now I need you to do what you do. So, um, so yeah, so long story short, so we, we built out the wireframes. We then had our design team, like make them look pretty, 
And then we went to our app developer, our CTO now, and just said, look, this is a clickable prototype. This is how it functions. So all we really paid him to do was develop, right? Like there was no, he didn't have to be creative in terms of like, oh, it should look like this or it, it should function. Like we, we flushed out a lot of that stuff. Um, so, you know, that, that was essentially what got that process off the ground. And that was 2018 that we really fleshed out that prototype. So diving a bit deeper on the Kitty credit system in terms of like how, you know, the credit is measured for the kids. How can they build it? How can they lose it? Um, I know that there's chores involved. Touch on that and, and how does it relate to the traditional FICO scoring system? Yep. So it's what we intend to do is create a parallel universe towards solid habits and the mechanics of a credit score. Right. So chores and it doesn't have to be chores. It can be a simple activity, just something that is a task, whatever. Right. But the, the, the way it works is the better you do those assigned tasks, chores, activities, the better your credit score. So think of a missed chore like a missed payment. The longer you've had a chore, like the longer you've had a credit card, you get reward points on a weekly basis, which are called bamboo bucks. Anytime you're saying, hey, mom, can I get this? Hey, dad, can I get this? Think of it like inquiry. Right. So. Um, what we're trying to do is, and we simplify it so that your, your kitty credit score is on a scale of zero to 100, right? And we're doing that to simplify it, right? For, for a younger audience. But then what we're finding is that in doing that too, we're also simplifying how it's understood for adults, right? So if they're able to explain to their kids, like what causes their score to go up or down, they'll actually know how their own score goes up or down. Um, and that, you know, that that's the whole method behind the madness. And and the rewards that the that the children get, is this in the form of like what are some of the, like the common things that you've seen parents provide children through the app? TV time, later bedtime, allowance if the parent can afford to, um, or if they believe in it, right? Like I didn't get an allowance. Like I got lunch money, but my allowance was the roof over my head. Um uh, I actually use this time to say like, I didn't always, that was what I did with my lunch money. I actually, I used to save it. So I used to go around the, the cafeteria. It's a fun story. And I had uh, like whoever, I, I knew who didn't eat their pizza. I knew who didn't eat their fries and I knew who didn't drink their chocolate milk. And I was able to save lunch money and then pocket my lunch. I got it. I was, I was scrappy. I was, <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, I, uh, that was, you know, the, sorry, that, that I, I, I really just thought about that in my head. I hadn't, uh, I hadn't thought of that for quite some time. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. You're completely all right. And scrappiness is actually a good thing because it leads right into our very next question. So based on those earlier experiences that you just spoke about, right. Around entrepreneurship, around these initial forays into this space, you know, were there any lessons that provided valuable insight as you built Kitty Credit, right? Like from those experiences that I carried over. Um, yeah, I mean, it's in building this, you're only going to go as far as your team, right? So um, like as much credit as I get for this project, like it wouldn't be where it is without a dope team around you 
And so what I've learned is how to deal with people. You know, um, I think that's the probably one of the most overlooked things, period. You know, I think we get caught up in what we're trying to do personally that we don't realize that it doesn't work if it doesn't connect with the people. And it's also not going to work if you can't connect with the people trying to build it. So um, people management is something that I've learned over time. Congrats on the successes this far. Congrats on being a finalist for the Wealth Gap pitch competition. We, we saw the news. Uh, how was that experience? And walk us through your your prep in terms of getting ready for for something major like that yeah so it's been a cool run for us this past two months i think one one like eight pitch competitions um but and not saying that to just be like i won eight i guess i am sort of but more than anything what i realized was that uh because i wasn't winning pitch competition for like a the while it was like it was, this is the coolest thing out of all of these companies great companies too you know but like it was it was more like what am i doing wrong and what i realized is that i had a whole paradigm shift between like i had a pitch deck and i thought the pitch deck was dope so i more so pitched to the pitch deck and i was like you know when you're telling a pitch you're telling a story so i like i threw that out the window and i just typed like if I was to just tell a story of Kitty Credit and then yes, talk about the team and the traction and, and you know what we're doing in a story form, I think that would be better. And then so once I did that, I tailored my pitch deck to the story. And and that was the biggest shift for me. Um so you know, how, how I prepare for it. I mean, you know, I, I pretty much know what I'm going to say now, but I also, um, I adjust it in formats, right? So if I have a minute to pitch to you, I know what to say. If I have three minutes, five minutes, seven minutes, 10 minutes, I don't have 20 minutes down yet, but I have, I, have, I got the, got the one, three, five, seven, and 10. And building off of that, we also saw, and actually a company was selected by, Verve Capital. So again, another round of congratulations there. Uh, so we know that Verve Capital focuses on early stage companies, uh, but why do you think this was such a great fit? Um, so for all of our investors at this point, it's been it's been really fortunate, right? Like you know, there's there's the cautionary tales about like just accepting money, and, and along this way, I've had. Uh, I've received investment offers, but it was kind of like the, like the catch with it was like the price was too high for me to say yes to that. Right. And then that's not necessarily the people you want. Like everybody that's an investor now, people I could call, um, ask for advice. Um, it's, you know, it's definitely turning out to be like the dream team that you want, right? Like, you know, people that, when, when I am pitching to investors, like for me, it's it's all about three different buckets. It's either understanding my journey as an underrepresented founder, uh, a belief in the Miami tech ecosystem. I've been here before it was cool. Um, and then lastly, just the understanding of the mission, you know, uh, that was 
those have always been like my three pillars and and all of them check either two of the boxes if not all three so it's been cool miami tech ecosystem let's stay right there the mayor of miami put out that tweet a while back that he needed help bringing the tech hub to the city you stepped in one of the people to step in what was that conversation like and what are your thoughts on the future tech hub or tech ecosystem in miami I was about to say I didn't. I didn't step in. <laughs> like, yes, I got us. I got us. I'll take care. <laughs> um, no, like it, it was. It was cool to see it happen. You know, I've always said that when you have, um, you know, COVID has really like accelerated the pace of remote work. And my my theory about Miami for quite some time was that I've I've always felt that remote work is, uh, you know the numbers would continually increase. And with that, people are just gonna work where they wanna live. And if you just take out like your occupation and just overall environment, Miami will always be a top option, right? Uh, a lot of people don't realize that our summers here are pretty terrible. Um, I'm actually, it, it may seem like things are calm here, but my, my AC is broke right now. It's, it's hot, it's like 82 in the crib, it's bad. Um, Damn. <laughs> Like, <laughs> uh, we're making it. Uh, I, I, if, if it helps you feel any better, it gets muggy in New York as well. So it, it's definitely brutal summers here as well. Yeah, but your AC is on, so just be grateful. Um, <laughs> no, I think with um, with Miami, it's cool to see it. You know, with what we need more than anything is uh, we need to make sure that everything we do is collaborative and inclusive, you know, we don't want kind of like the old heads versus the new heads. You know, we, we definitely don't need need that, like, oh, you're, you're a newbie. But we also don't need the Christopher Columbuses, like I discovered Miami, it's been here. Um, so just figuring that all out. I, I look at it like, you know, my key metric to focus on is when we look at this moment, because it's definitely a moment, um, and I don't mean in terms of like a flash in the pan. I mean, it was like there's a definitive kind of start point to where things took off for tech in Miami. Um, and I do think it's here to stay. But when we look back on it in five years, like how did we move the needle for, like, like how did we reshape what tech can be in a new city, right? Like we don't need this to be Silicon Valley. Like Silicon Valley is not a, a place where, you know, a, a significant amount of black founders are able to, you know, to thrive just in terms of sheer numbers. I know there's, you know, outliers and examples, but just if you look at the percentage of people versus what are getting funded, et cetera, et cetera. So I want to make sure that we do better at that. Right. So it's like, if, if I take me out the equation, just like your average, not average, like your, your fantastic starting up black founder like they had a tech company like did they did they find it easier to get access to capital here in Miami did they feel that they had an, a, a a large enough voice at the table did they even have a seat at the table um like that's the type of stuff that I care about when you talk about it as an ecosystem I think for for me like selfishly for a founder in, in my company um I mean it, it's uh you know, it, it's definitely been helpful that 
being here for quite some time makes it easier to access. I think I have an easier access point to a lot of people that I don't know if I would have if I lived, if I had just moved to New York or if I had just moved to the Bay. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm very appreciative of that. Uh, how long you think, in, if we're talking about time or duration, to where Miami will be a respected tech hub or, or the tech hub is here to stay in Miami? And the reason why I say that is because there's been rumors saying like, oh, it's a trendy move. People are moving there just because they're following a trend or um, older investors, to your point, um, are retiring in Miami. So it makes that makes more sense for those VC investors to move to Miami. Um, and they're, they're not as respected as uh, Austin because I guess more tech companies are moving out there or Atlanta, which like the black tech population is growing. Um, so how long before you think Miami really gets that uh, head nod and that sense of respect. Those are great examples to, to one. I love Austin as a city. I was just in Atlanta. Um, we have YMCA as a, YMCA Atlanta as a client. Um, so I was out there doing a demo, but like, I, I really love what Atlanta is doing. Um, I had a, a chance to connect with uh, the, the gentleman by the name of Jay Bailey. He runs the Russell innovation center for entrepreneurship i hope i got that right um yes i I definitely added him on linkedin that's a long right so it's like a fifty-four thousand square foot facility it's close to clark atlanta uh spelman morehouse um and then joey womack with goody nation one of the best like ecosystem builders i've seen Uh, but i think with miami it's you know, it just goes back to the people, company, right? Like you, if four unicorns were built in Des Moines, Iowa next year, they're a tech hub, <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, it'd be undeniable. So, um, so it, you know, it's just be successful, the money will follow. But, um, but yeah, I, so I, I have no doubt in my mind that we will be on par with that. It's it's just really about like when we do that, like, like what are, what are we doing with it besides just money? That sense of higher purpose is critical, and I think a essentially a key aspect of why you and your co-founders you know got into Black Men Talk Tech. So, can you provide you know what do you believe? is the organization's greatest strength in regards to preparing the next generation of, of Black entrepreneurs for success? Yeah, I think because we we focus on three components of it, but we, we start with the founders, right? Like the founders drive everything, but we try to connect founders with investors and, and also with technologists, you know? Um, it's what I find pretty cool is so you know also I'm, I'm a scout for dc out here called florida funders but when i see companies that are getting funded you know and it could be a pre-seed or it could be a seed it's like man, I, I saw them pitch like two years ago you know so it's like man if i was dc i'd have some super early deal flow and like inside and stuff you know but uh but i think what we do best is we try to 
put forth content that is super relevant and timely for for founders that are you know at a certain stage and i mean that could be pre-seed you could still be doing angel round friends and family or maybe not even raising at all but like you know you're 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 beyond setting stuff up on legal zoom you know um so i think if we just stay with that theme in mind um and then you know we, we find ways to continually um put boots in the ground in additional cities um you know we'll be fine and you know we we started this off the backs of the Black Women Talk Tech team, which is amazing. Um, so you know, uh, we're we're in we're in good hands. So, you know, they've they've given us a good roadmap on how to how to proceed forward. Got it. What's the ultimate goal for for Black Men Talk Tech? Do you guys plan to scale all throughout the U.S.? Do you guys want to scale globally? Like how how far does Evan and and Boris shout out Boris? Um, spoke with him a couple months back. How, how far do you guys want to grow this thing? Yep. And don't forget AJ. Um, AJ. AJ as well. Definitely. Um, but I, I think I think time will tell. You know, I mean, we're definitely going to new cities, doing some cool stuff in Atlanta. Um, it, it would it would be nice to, you know, wherever I travel, there's a chapter there. Uh, man, that would be fire. Mm. Uh, so I, I think I'm going to say globally because I would selfishly like to just have reasons to just travel. <laughs> so Black Men Talk Tech Week, let, let's let's get to Bali. Let's see. You know, let's, <laughs> let's figure it out. Let's get to Cairo. Uh, you know, uh, but no, I, I think we'll, you know, the time will tell on where that goes. Um, uh, I also saw that you, you recently got married. Yes. Uh, congratulations. Um, and I see you put, heard you, uh, <laughs> how is it managing all of the things that you got going on while being a, a husband? I know that's not an easy thing, right? So, so how is it managing everything in, in managing your time effectively? Uh, one, it more like more important than like myself it's it's your partner you know they, they have to understand what you're what you're going through um but beyond that i mean like it just it really takes a special person to like put up with a founder you know i, I think when, when you're when you're a tech founder like there's no on or off i i said this the other day it was like you know we work nine to fives but it's not it's not 9 a.m to 5 p.m it's probably 9 a.m. to 5 a.m., you know? So, like, just having somebody that understands that is, is key. I mean, and, but then your responsibility as the founder is to make sure that you're doing enough to like, kind of put it down, put turn it off for a second, even if it's a second, right? Like, I'm always on my phone, always. But, like, I try to have... Um, like moments where it's like, it, it'll be like a 10 to 15 minute window. Like, it's like, okay, you can check it every 15 minutes. That way things don't just get out of hand. It's like, and then within that 15 minutes, you're completely present. Um, so I think just in the small pockets of time that you have, just try to be present. That's what I've 
found works. It may, it may not work. You know, that's my five. She'd be like, I'm doing a horrible job, but I'm trying. <laughs> Got it. Got it. So we're currently at the, the point of the interview where we ask you the final question. So, you know, here at Dream Shakers, we're all about paying it forward. Uh, so what are three pieces of advice uh, that you would give your younger self? Uh, one, delegate, not just passing things. I think people do that too early. They're like, ah, like, you know, he, phone rings three times a day. Like I need an assistant. Like, it's not what I'm saying. Like figure out what you're good at. And, and then what, like, don't try to be like all things, um, would be one, um, and talking about being all things, I think two would be, you know, don't try to be too many things for too many people. You know, like if you can't bring forth the best version of yourself, like you're not going to be good for anybody, you know, uh, it's good to give 100% of yourself to 10 people than 10% to 100. I think that math is right. But the uh, that would be number two. And then number three, just uh, like continue going. But like, you know, there's no shortcuts. And, you know, just do right by people. Like the best opportunities that, I've had come forth in my life and I had some great ones. It's really been be only because the the people that connected me to that, you know, that opportunity knew what type of person I was, right? So um, you might you might get places quick by taking shortcuts and like, you know, burning bridges or doing, you know, doing whatever it is. But if you just at the end of the day, try your best to do right by people. It'll, it'll pan out and it'll pan out more comfortably. Well, that was the, the end of the interview. We definitely appreciate you. Thank you for dropping so many gems and, and being who you are, being your authentic self and, and being a dream shaker. That, that's, that's all we have. And we hope to have you on future episodes. Thank you again, brother. Thank you, man. I appreciate y'all. That was a great interview we just had with Evan. Definitely really enjoyed the conversation around the Miami team, how he's been able to navigate his path as an entrepreneur, and what's really in store for the future of Kitty Credit and how the service is helping the next generation understand their relationship with credit. Because it's an important tool, George. It's an important tool. Now, what were your thoughts on the interview? I think it was great, brother. Um, I think the the fact that Evan is focusing on credit to empower blacks, uh, and so that we can become financially literate is key, and it's something that um, we should be able to leverage and, and utilize the education to progress our people forward. So kudos and major shout outs to Evan. And I can't wait to see what he does in the near future. Couldn't agree more myself, brother. Now with that, we're going to go ahead and transition over into the Level Up. Now the Level Up is our opportunity to provide you with three 
opportunities, three ways where you can enter the field of technology and begin creating your own story, creating your own narrative and creating your own journey. Now with this, we're gonna start up with the first opportunity, which is a people analytics internship at Tesla. Yes, Tesla. Now the People Insights team provides analysis and reporting to support business needs and guide business decisions. As the People Analytics intern, you will support the team's day-to-day -day operations by creating reports, data visualizations, and analysis for various departments and business partners. Over the course of the fall, you will create reports using SQL, Excel, and or data visualization tools, support various other people slash analytic development, and ensure accuracy and final quality of all products slash reports. You are fit for this role if you are a current undergraduate or graduate student, preferably pursuing a degree in math, statistics, psychology, or human resources management. You have demonstrated experience with data visualization through tools like Tableau and Excel. And finally, you are able to effectively communicate verbally. That's huge. Now, the internship will be based out of Fremont, California. Next up, we have a resource analyst summer intern at NASA. That's right, taking you to space. NASA has an exciting internship opportunity for an undergraduate studying business administration or a related major in their program business management organization. This intern will have the opportunity to gain hands-on work experience in the application of conceptual and theoretical curriculum within NASA's financial and business operations divisions. Over the course of the summer, you will learn an introductory level of project planning, cross control and analysis, provide project resource planning, reporting and analysis support as appropriate, and assist analysts with a variety of basic financial management reporting on a periodic basis and of a statistical nature. You're a fit for this role if you are currently at an accredited college or university pursuing a bachelor's degree. You are resourceful and self-motivated with excellent verbal and written communication skills. And finally, you have knowledge and experience with Microsoft Excel and business intelligence. This internship will be based out of Pasadena, California. Finally, we have a design intern role at Vimeo. Vimeo is looking for a digitally native design intern to join their creative and marketing team. As an intern, you'll be collaborating with copywriters, motion designers, art directors, and producers, and members of the wider marketing team to build SEO-optimized marketing landing pages to drive awareness, conversion, and retention for the Vimeo brand. You will also be mentored by and work under the guidance of a Vimeo design lead in New York. Over the course of the summer, you will work with the creative and marketing team to design high-performing digital and social assets, incorporate Vimeo's brand guidelines to professional designs for their global community, and be ready to jump into other wider marketing design projects where appropriate. You are fit for this role if you are a college graduate or you have one plus years of experience designing for brands in-house or at an agency. You have exceptional layout design and composition skills. And finally, you are a team player that works well with others and can help other brand designers develop campaigns and find creative solutions. Collaboration is huge. 
The internship will be based out of New York, New York. That's all I'm saying. Now, with that, I'm going to go ahead and pass it back to George so he can close us out. Ooh, that's right, brother. Just drop some fire and great amount of opportunities for people to take advantage of, take initiative on, and continue to be great. That is all, folks. As Porky Pig would say, follow the page, Instagram page, follow the YouTube page, like, comment, subscribe. We are here, and we'll see you again on the next episode. God bless, take care, and can't wait to be great with you. Peace.